is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. My thanks to Sportsnet 590 The Fan for their programming alert that the boys are back. Real Kipper and Born returning for season two. And that program alert, JB, gave me just enough time to get in the car and get the hell over here. You found out you were on? I can't believe we're back, to be honest, Kipper. At times last year, I, I don't know. I thought maybe we would say something terrible or we would fight each other, but we did it. We got through a year. We did it. We're back. We did. And we are here. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, producer Matt Marchese in for Sammy, our trusted Leaf Nation lover. Sammy McKee is not here, but Matt is. We also got... Derek Brandeo in for our tech. <laughs> He's in here fixing our mics because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Derek. And, Maddie, you're going to be with us all week. So give us a little bit of an update what all our listeners can look forward to because we are not in our regularly scheduled 3 to 5 p.m., but will be for how long? 12 to 2 going forward here because somehow some way we do believe that the jays are involved in in all of this uh maddie what do you got for us all right so what we do know is that the blue jays are playing on friday and we don't know from there what's going to happen if they're out by tuesday then you guys will go back to your three to five slot and then from there you guys are back in your in your home. Our comfortable little three to five window. Well, let's, I don't know. Uh, how do you feel, Kipper? You want the Jays to go deep here and, and stay 12 to two? Or do you just want your, your slot back? Uh, I, 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 I want the Jays to go as far as they can so it can back off uh, all the the noise that we're eventually going to get for the Leafs. <laughs> Let's let's push that back. That's fair. As as far as we can go here. No sense starting it too early. Just like yeah. our show today. You know, was there an opportunity maybe to come in uh, two weeks ago? Yeah, but come on. <laughs> no, no. October is a nice time to start for us. Truly perfect. So let's let's go Jays. Yeah, let's go Jays. I, I'm I'm with you on that. This is a I like the twelve to two thing, and it's sort of a soft launch, roll into the season, build our momentum. Let's yeah. not try to come in. And, and too what's hot the deal? The I'm also getting a lot of text messages or uh, 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 tweets on uh, the YouTube channel because. <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, some people like that. I know. They love it. We had a, a thriving chat community in there. Uh, th th that, I believe, starts when we're 3 to 5. So as long as we're 12 to 2, there isn't YouTube. We'll put out a whole bunch of clips. But, uh, yeah, 3 to 5 will go back on YouTube. And McKee, well, we will have McKee back next week, by the way. Sammy, uh, our lovely friend, got married. Sam McKee's in Mexico right now on the honeymoon. So he's timed that for the start of the hockey season for some reason. Some lovely pictures of him and his dog, Louie. Is a now wife Allie. So congrats yeah. to McKee. We can't. And we're wait very to happy it. for him. Right. But next to setting your wedding date in the first or the second round of the playoffs, 
why right at the beginning of the hockey season? Did he not Sammy? know that like, there was a season? Do, do you not know what you do for a living? <laughs> When his wife proposed that date, he was like, yeah, October, I can't see anything. I can't recall, but uh, early in my... Uh, I'm thrilled. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, we're back with the McKee yeah, drop. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who it was, but it was a it was a fairly established player. I'm, I'm, it's going to hit me maybe between now and the next two hours, but somebody uh, booked their wedding uh, during a potential Stanley Cup run. <laughs> like recently this happened? No, 20 years ago. Oh, okay. One of your one of your buds? No, no. Um God, I can't uh maybe Michael Pekka from the Buffalo Sabres. He's like we're not going to the finals. Who are we kidding? <laughs> just scheduled it for June or yes. for May, I guess. Yeah, I think it was in the 3rd or 4th round that yeah. he had a wedding date that could have been and I don't know if it's the year that they actually went to the Stanley Cup final or got knocked out in, in the third round, but... I tell you, it's one thing to do that as a fringe player. If you're the captain of your team and you book it for the third I'm sure, round... I'm not sure if he was the captain back then. That's a tough look. But, hey, uh, Michael Peck, if it wasn't you, my utmost uh, apology right now. Uh, uh, he'll but never know. We'll I, just claim it was him. I got to think that there was some story about uh, Michael Peck uh, booking a, a wedding date... Uh, <laughs> At a potential right, third we'll, we'll or fourth McKee round. We'll give pass for missing preseason then. Brian, uh, Derek says Brian Bellows, but no, I don't think it was Brian Bellows. Just good to hear Derek's back, voice back in the air too. It is. Here we go. And I was told it was going to be Lance Romance earlier in the day, and uh, I think we got switched off, but uh, Lovely. good to have him back. And we will get Sammy uh, next week. Yep. And we'll hear uh, all the stories. See, if he's ready to talk Leafs, I got to tell you, he was hurting. He was hurting after the season last year. Like, he needed some time away from the blue and white. We'll see if he's <laughs> if he's emotionally ready to get reinvested. So let me ask you, uh, does, what was it, May 14th seem like it was a million miles behind us? Or does it feel like... Uh, you look over your shoulder and you see it because that was the night yep. the Leafs got eliminated by Nick Paul and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's right. Uh, how how fresh is that still for you? And I, I mean, listen, we are going to spend the next weeks going over the Toronto Maple Leafs and, mm -hmm. and what's ahead and the challenges, but I, I like to kind of, still be reminded of where we where we're coming How from. How did we get here? So and, it's still pretty fresh for me. Right? So is it is it more or less uh still fresh? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it just maybe it wouldn't be so fresh if there was drastic turnover. You know, and you and it was like, ah, oh, well, new team, new group. You know, this is sort of a clean but you're taking the same team. I understand there's differences, and we will get to addressing those differences. But you're taking the same core into another run. So it feels like it just bleeds from the last season, the same group on the same journey, which I'm not saying it's going to be, but it feels like you're just marching to the same end because it's happened so many times in a row. It's six consecutive knockouts in the first round. Is that good? <laughs> and if we go back, it started with uh, 
Washington, uh, Boston. Boston got in there twice in the last last six years. Columbus, had Columbus, a turn. Montreal, Canadians, and Tampa. Yeah. Did did Tampa's hurt, or is it is it a bigger sting than any of the other previous ones, or are they all lumped into one? Montreal's the biggest one. Montreal's the biggest. Really? Yeah, because that's inexcusable. They were clearly the better team. They were up by was a three one in the series. Like it was a no excuses blown. That one hurt the most. Last year hurts because they felt like the best of their oh, teams. Oh, man, I got Tampa Bay. Hurt more last yeah, year. Yeah, because I just think the expectations were higher. For this, for that. And the talk in the Montreal series is only one guy can hurt you, and that is Carey Price. Mm-hmm. And the guy's making $10.5 million. It is arguably the most important position. You lose JT. And that to me is somewhat more forgivable than Nick Paul beating you in game seven at home. At home. I forgot about that touch. That's a extra little knife in there. A little twist. They were up three, two. They lose game six in overtime. If you remember that, they, what did they outshoot Tampa? I don't know. 6,000 to one or something that overtime when Braden point, like, I mean, Everything they could. They threw the kitchen sink at Tampa. Couldn't put them away. And the second Braden Point scores because of their past, there was that feeling of, oh, it's happening again. Right? There's that like, oh, it's happening again. We missed the chance to do this. And then, you know, Tavares gets the goal called back as Justin Hall throws a pick in great game seven. Um, Tavares and Marner, or sorry, Marner and Matthews make a nice play to get one to Riley, but it's just not enough. Nick Paul scores twice. And here we are. So, Leaf Nation out there, uh, it's almost like watching the behavior of the Democrats Democrats and the Republicans in, in the U.S. where it's like there's nothing wrong with it or there's everything wrong with it. Black and white. So uh, are you more looking at just one bounce in that game six and, and, and they're fine yeah. or no, there are, are – there are red flags here uh, in certain areas and it better get cleaned up. You know, I feel like this is where you and I are going to be different because I am that guy who's like, they were right there. They're right there. They were one bounce. Away. One bounce. One bounce and a very, very good Leafs team. And you just feel like, you know, everyone says this and it's been said, but it does feel true that if you get past that, God, yeah, that series. That, that, you know, who knows? The sky's the limit after that. Just trying to break through that moment. They just can't get there. I, I do feel like they were a good hockey team. They were a good enough hockey team to go deep, to win, to, I don't know. Can't say the words. But if you ask Leaf fans the changes, and we're going to start getting into them, um, but uh, significant or not significant because they're, they're – to me, there's major changes. It's funny because, you know, there's not major changes outside of the crease, which is major changes. And that's, but that's the number one. Right. Right. Like you took a team that had, I, I, I don't know, 105 points. What, what, More? 107? 115? 115. Yeah, that's one, what it is. That's one, a lot of points. I knew there was a five in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 115, one of the most successful regular seasons in history. Mm-hmm. 
and you're like, we don't need the starting goalie. Our, our, our goalies are no good. We need yeah, new goalies. On. Just move on. <laughs> we need that is a significant change. Yeah. Well, you know, that may have come up last year, Kipper. There was some discussion between you and I about that Jack Campbell situation. And so do you think that they did the right thing moving on from Jack Campbell? I, if I told you yes or no, it, it would be an educated guess. Yeah. And um, I don't think that we'll see a significant drop off. I, I really don't. That's something. That's something to say. And you know what? You know why I say it's something? Because I agree with you. And I don't think people agree with us. I think people think the Leafs goaltending is going to be atrocious this season. And I would like to put a big asterisk on the thing I just said. It might be. <laughs> you know, like I'm not saying there's a, yes. it's not going to be. How do you know? Right. Like, how do you know, um, you know, what is going on with Matt Murray? And Matt is the biggest story here for the Toronto Maple Leafs going into this season. Which Matt Murray are the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fan base going to get? Yep. Are you closer to getting back to his early years in Pittsburgh? Or is there a carryover of what the hell happened in Ottawa? Well, you know, they think they've got him in the best position to succeed possible, right? Like they, he's healthy. They bring him here. They, they got to believe their D is better than Ottawa's was last year. He's a 906 last year. So they go, okay, he wasn't bad last year. We'll put him in, you know, behind better D. Also, the Leafs goaltending coaching situation, a little bit of a mess, Kipper. So they hired John Elkin to be the goaltending consultant for the team. Oh, first of all, they, they, they were so pissed off. They fired um, Steve Breer. Steve Breer, right? They right. Got, you got to pin it somewhere on They're somebody. Like, I am. Yes, <laughs> you. You're done. You. What do you do? Goal it's coach. Over. You're you're done. So then they hire Curtis Sanford as the goaltending coach. Curtis Sanford is the goaltending yeah. coach of the Leafs. We remember him. Yep. John Elkin uh, is the goaltending consultant for the Leafs, helping them make decisions in the big picture what to do. Then they get Matt Murray. Matt Murray's goaltending coach growing up was John Elkin. So now. Murray wants to work with Elkin. So Elkin and Murray are going to work together. And Sanford is going to work with Samsonov. They're going to have their almost individual. Okay, goal. okay. Who, who's the head chef? <laughs> who's the know. assistant head They're, chef? Yeah, who's, who's the, the sous chef? Who's... <laughs> so they think Murray has his guy, right? His old goaltending coach that he had success with. They think he's healthy. They think he's behind better D. They think he's going to be good. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. How good does he have to be when we look at a great question. the league in general and where goaltending has gone? How good does he have to be for the Leafs to have success? What success? Like, like last season's regular season? Conference final. Love that answer. Conference final. I think that's success for sure. I so, know that's success. We all would love all our favorite teams to have a Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. to have a Shesterkin, to have a Carey Price in his heyday, but it just seems like that window is closing off less and less. Yeah. And even if you did have one, how much would you put trusting a 10, 11, a 12 
million dollar contract on on six or seven years on yeah. any of these guys. And the Rangers are are still a couple of years away. But the way it's trending with Shesterkin is that he should be the next 10, 11, 12 million dollar goalie. And even if it is if it's trending that way, are you still not nervous? Oh yeah. About giving that money to that position regardless yep. who it is. For sure. Totally scared, terrified. Just, you know, you give Bobrovsky the next the money in the next year he's like an 880. It's like, well, we got eight more years, seven more years of this deal terrifying to give goalies big money but when you have a great one you'd sure pay for it that year wouldn't you there's just no guarantees of what you're gonna get but yeah vasilevsky shesterkin by the way i'm bullish on the rangers this year i think they're really really good. okay all really, right really and we only have all year to talk I about the, the rangers <laughs> do you want to start and, on the rangers every, everybody else yeah uh, but just to kind of bring this back a little bit on on matt murray just the way that the position has um, evolved mm-hmm. in 2022 and the philosophy amongst teams is really trending more, especially with the success of Colorado, is I don't need Vasilevsky. It was great, and, and it, pro- it proves every— Love to have him. Love to have him. Proved uh, over the course of history when you got one of those, your, your odds go up really really high that you will have success if not stanley cup championships but if i can't find them what's the next step and it's and, a tandem who gives you a nine ten. and it's it's a darcy kemper yeah where i can win the stanley cup and at the same time i'm not held to him i'm not tied to him i can move off of him and think I can come in with a suitable replacement because I am so strong uh, right. with my Makars and my Devon Taves. They're and- like Francouz and Gorgi- Gorgiev is their tandem now. That's right. They're like fingers crossed I- like the Leafs. Think about that now. You know, you just signed Nathan McKinnon to this. He's your franchise player. You've got him for the next, uh, was it seven or eight? Did he? I, I can't recall. Yeah. Max. Know. Yes. Right. All, all Highest the, paid. The he's yes. he's locked in. Yeah. You are in a we have to win now mode. Mm-hmm. And yet you're going, okay, Gorgiev, is he going to get the you're job right. done? It's a great point about NHL goaltending at large, where a lot of teams are like, I don't know. We got two pretty good guys. So, Hopefully one of them's hot. Let's bring this back to Matt Murray. Yeah. Like, how good does Matt Murray have to be? We're really down to. And I hate to say it because it's a friggin' cliche that we just beat to death. Yeah. But just make the saves you're supposed to make. Yeah, we don't need you to be special. We need you to be reliable. Just make, you know, the last year, the Leafs got not uh, okay goaltending from Jack Campbell or kind of bad goaltending, but atrocious goaltending from Campbell for like four months. They got... Re- Back half was not pretty. No. And Peter Morazic was a sideshow, if I may. And so their goaltending, their combined team save percentage, they were in the bottom third of the league and the bottom, you know, is basically them and all the teams who miss playoffs if you sort for team save percentage. And they finished with 115 points. So to your question about what you need Matt Murray to be or Ilya Samsonov to be, 
You need them to be fine. Be a, Give us league average. Was it 908 last year or something? 907, 908? I don't think they need him to be special, Kipper. Just don't be bad. Don't make us go, oh, that one, we got to go get one back now because Murray let one in from below the hash marks. Don't yeah. take the wind out of our team's sails while we're pushing. That's what they need. And when you get to playoffs, is that enough? I don't know. I'm not confident in that. Not confident in that at all. In fact, no, it's that's the bad plan, but <laughs> it's all you got. I don't even know if this will be their goalies come playoffs. It's it's not like you're you're really locked in and and married to these guys. It's a, it's a big commitment to Matt Murray to go pick up that contract. And the first thing you said is the only Ottawa only uh, needed to hold on to what twenty percent of that contract. Yeah, so it's still I think, yeah. it's still four point six million on yep. a deal that pays him this season seven million dollars. Is that right? He makes four point almost four point seven this year. Right? Yep. You're right. So it's two more years. Next year they pay him eight. <laughs> two more years. And but if it goes south, there's gonna be a way to well, to, to move it? To, to move, uh, move on off of it. This yeah. is kind of what I'm thinking. Like, you look at the contracts. Like, I know you don't want to keep attaching assets to contracts you want to get rid of. And if that has to happen, obviously, you would want to hold Kyle Dubas's feet to the fire on that and say, well, that's not great managing. But, you know, when you get to the trade deadline this year and Matt Murray's cap hit is currently 4.687, uh, you know, then it's prorated down to what would you owe in that season, you know, a couple mil or something like that. Like, you know, what would be left on it plus a season. I don't think you'd have to give up too much of an asset to get rid of it. Like it, it could be movable. You could change courses yeah. if you could find an alternative plan. I'm just saying that I don't think they're heading into it being like it's these guys or bust. I do think that there is a chance to change course if they're atrocious. So that, Leaves Samsonov. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm shocked that Washington just said bye bye. No. I mean, this what is. What do you hear about this guy? Do, this anything, do you know anything about him? Uh, what, five, six years ago, he was uh, a top rated NHL prospect. Oh, yeah. First rounder. And. At times spoken of, the next great goalie. Yeah, as a rookie, he was a nine thirteen for the Capitals. Really good. Came out well. Six foot three, like big. Yeah. You know, you like yeah. that. But for the Washington Capitals to not qualify him and walk him out the door doesn't happen very often, JB. No. No, and, and it's not like he didn't play last year. He played 44 times for the Capitals and was an 896. Like, he was, that's a bad season for a pretty good hockey team. Bad season. So, you know, I don't know what, what they see in him. You know, maybe some off-ice fitness, stuff like that. He could tighten up a little bit. Maybe they weren't certain he'd put in the work to be the guy they thought he could become. But yeah. 25 years old feels like a turning point season, one year prove yeah. it sort of situation here. Yeah, and the other the other thing to remember too is that uh, um, I, I don't know what the count is on on total um, Russian players on Washington, but we know the biggest one there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he had a voice 
in the decision. Don't tell me otherwise, right? But Ovechkin would have had his say. Oh, I see. On Samsonov. Basically, if he loved him, for, he'd be like, uh, we're not losing him. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay? Hmm. So... For Samsonov to get his walking papers out of Washington would have to be with the blessing of another Russian. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know. Take that for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So I do feel, though, that all these things we're talking about pile up the pressure on him in a way that works in the least favor. And this is what Dubas has tried to do in the past is get reclamation projects guys who say okay give us your best year if you want to make some money give us this is it and you know sometimes that's worked out sometimes it hasn't i don't hate the idea of throwing two darts at the board which they've done but and that's what kyle basically set up training camp with Mm -hmm. samsonov and matt murray and you guys figure it out yeah could have done without samsonov's last start do you think by the way, do you think that uh, that's realistic for Samsonov to go? Uh, I got a second chance to prove I'm a number one goalie here. You think that's that's happening? I, I think he's aware that that's his situation, but I don't know. Doesn't it feel like because of the money and the term that they it's Matt Murray's crease to lose? Like they're like, OK, this is Matt Murray's team. If he's no good, maybe Samsonov will get his chance. But I don't feel like. Man, unless they had to promise Samsonov something to, to even come here, but but then, um, yeah, you know they would have had to commit to him in some way to say, "Hey, come here," and you'll. I don't know what sort of opportunities were out there for this guy, but one point eight million couldn't have been that many opportunities. I'm just wondering how much they owe him verbally to be here in terms of opportunity. Kyle really gave the media the impression that. Uh, this thing could go back and forth. Like they could alternate starts. Mm-hmm. That's the impression that, like that Kyle Campbell gave. Campbell and Peter Mrazek. <laughs> Wasn't that the plan when Mrazek signed for three, eight times three years? And then he got hurt <laughs> second game, first game. Yeah. I can't even remember. It was ridiculous. I know. He was barely a leaf. Okay, so he ends up now in Chicago, if I can remember. That is right. I, I can ding, tell. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I know all my scores on my uh, my first nine holes <laughs> know, yesterday. You can tell me every shot you I hook. can't remember Good. where Mrazek ended up. Scram beat not- it. <laughs> <laughs> you know where he is? Not here. Chicago. Not gonna work here anymore. The, the one thing, though, the one thing that I think uh, you know, Kyle will look back at that whole Peter Mrazek thing is is like. I wish I could have found out if he stayed healthy, how it would have sure. ended up. I, I'm he, sure that did it. not, he, it didn't even come close to, to for him to have a chance to justify the Mrazic signing. You're right. And at the same time, you couldn't bring him back just because of the narrative, like the way people like us and other people talked about it. Like he, I say sideshow, he's a great guy. His press conferences, he was wonderful. But he played like a road hockey goalie, so you're yeah, right. If, if he plays well in Chicago and stays healthy, I mean, it's just going to be Then if you're Kyle, you just, I don't know, just we'll take a long walk up short yeah, period. Just, just walk into the ocean. It just feels bad. So maybe this is now that that new attempt of uh, uh, Samsonov pulling off a, a Mrazic. Yeah. Right? And, and be like the guy that we think he is. Bigger and calmer version. All but right, I, I, did, I did hear the same thing, that... Uh, 
He didn't take his craft very seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. Conditioning was an issue. All of that. And you just wonder at age now 25. Is he matured? Mature. Can you get it now? Uh, be Did, the guy. Were you mature at 25? Yeah, I was pretty good at 25. I'm not surprised by that. I was I, I was good. I was good. I was, uh, you know, I, I went to every game going, they're going to catch on. I'm not that good. <laughs> I went to every game going, I had a lucky ice cream sandwich for lunch. Today will be fine. I may not shower after the game just to make sure they don't either send me down or put me on waivers or, or trade me. Just the Anthony get out Stewart of here. just hide in the steam room until take, everyone leaves. And then take, leave. Can't send me down if you can't find me. Take, take another day of NHL pay. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. Do yes, we need one? We do. We got to break at proper hours until we have our uh, proper show time. We're know. just getting started here on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back in the second hour. Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca is going to come by and give us all the latest out of training camp, including what's going on with their captain, JT, mm-hmm. out of the lineup for how long? That more on Real Kipper and Bourne. After the break. We are back and just warming up. We got to go get some Jimmy the Greek, I think. Jimmy uh, the, how about us having a going? Greek commercial on our show? What, that was awesome. Why not? Hey. Why not? A round of Euros for the boys, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy will take care of us. I'm sure he will. Reminds me of my uh, Danforth days when I was young. <laughs> me and my buddies, we'd go uh, down to the Danforth. And then the, when the bars closed down, it's like, you know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Huge lineups. Yeah. Huge lineups to get in to get a souflaki <laughs> on, on, on in the Danforth. And Didn't your family have a diner or something? Yeah, but we weren't uh, We weren't in the Danforth. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> So the the big thing was that uh, you know my uh, non Greek buddies right yeah uh, they they just like couldn't get in and had to wait for hours eh and it really pissed them off because yeah. uh, you know the first question you know the maitre d' or the, the the manager there is uh, you Greek yeah <laughs> uh, so all all the Greek guys would get tables right away and yeah. then my buddies would go uh, they go to me you Greek no. Back of the line. Back of the line. You Greek? No, back of the line. I think I'd be back of the line. You'd be back of the line. I do have For sure, family. you'd be my, back my of the line. My nephew's name is Achilles Kapitanakis. Shout out to Archie, so. Nice. I don't, think, I don't know if that would have got me in, but nice. I got. Nice. All right, so uh, we, we don't need to beat up on uh, th- those first-round feelings uh, off of Tampa Bay, but... Uh, but we did want to talk about how we got where we are. So I'm glad we touched on it. If you look outside the crease, oh, just on a side note, uh, overly shocked to see uh, how it played out. And I'm not going to sit here and, and pat ourselves on the back, but mm-hmm. you know, I think it was a mid-November when we started saying that this this could play out real well for Jack Campbell. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of... of of what happens moving forward if he if he holds his own uh, the price is 5 to 6 million dollars for him and that set off a lot of people going you're nuts you're crazy yeah and sure enough that deal was done well before 
the official day mm-hmm. that he could sign that Jack got five times five out of the Edmonton Oilers. It is wild. You know, thinking back to that conversation we had, because it was a polarizing conversation where you were saying, you know, the, around that time that the Leafs had had some preliminary conversations with Campbell, and I was saying, you know, this guy's going to get three, three and a half, or four, or something like that. Sam, he was like, give him six. It was the time he was yeah. like a Vezina front runner. It, give him six, and people were like, this it, guy's ridiculous. Again, the word that I had that it was less than Mrazic's the was, the, was the original um, offer to, to, you know. I wish it was more than Mrazic's. Would you have wanted Jacket four times four at that point or four times whatever? But it did look like he was going to be worth big, big money given how his start went. And then when he tanked so bad, it was like Campbell should have taken the deal. He missed all that money. Now he's, you know, whatever. Still, though, if you can put up the numbers he put up last year, I think he was a 914 or something. If you can put that up as a starting goalie, yeah. you get paid. Pretty good playoffs. You know, even though his, his numbers weren't sparkling in the postseason, I thought he was good against Tampa Bay. Five times five for the Oilers. Yeah. I have no idea. They might they might get backup level play for him for that much, but a starter these days costs $5 million as a starting point. I hope someone asks him down the road just to the broken rib. He broke his rib. That's right, too. And I, I don't even know if it was reported back then or not or or talked about. But Well, we talked about the injury, yeah. I think, just the, without knowing yeah. the specifics of it. Just where did that factor in? When did he first know there was an issue? How long did he play with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, did, that, did that have something to do with not being able to get back to form? Remember I had that uh, freeze rate stat? Or he basically, everything that hit him for the first couple months was Velcro, stuck to him. Nothing bounced off him. And then at some point, and maybe related to not feeling great, he couldn't hang on to anything. He didn't absorb anything into his body. Everything just bounced off him. He couldn't hang on to a puck, and that obviously hurt. I do believe that uh, he will have success in in Edmonton. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be average. And there is still that, uh, you know, he's been around a long time. Last year was his first real attempt of holding a number one position, going to the all-star game, being the guy, handling the media as a number one guy in this market. Great experience for him. All the starts, all the pressure, all-star game. I got a summer off. I got to think that that, that's going to really help him mature and, and take his game to another level. Just the dealing with the media, what worked, what didn't work where I blamed myself, I was too hard on myself. I I think I'm doing a favor for my teammates by by taking all the blame yeah. and and pointing it uh in my direction. I am a little glad we're not going to have to listen to that post game. Uh, what's the word? Cloying sweetness from Campbell. The oh, just doing my best out there. Oh, shucks, the boys are the greatest. Like I love I love the guy. I still do. But like I don't know if I need that every day. <laughs> there is a point where people can actually look at it and go it's fake and phony and it's not with him it's not and he's doing Good it to the edmonton you. oilers already they love him of course they like do. the leafs loved him yes which if i kind of turn this back to the leafs would you think that there there isn't a bigger opposite <laughs> than jack campbell in matt murray and Samsonov, 
Like you will, they could stand on their heads all year, but you will never get that warm and fuzzy no. feeling that you had for Jack Campbell. Well, there's not many players who could play in the Toronto Maple Leafs market, be not great and be beloved. And I understand that Campbell had an unbelievable start, but he was, even when he was terrible for like four months, it was like, so <laughs> This man was beloved. Didn't have to make the saves, and they loved him. So Murray, Samsonov, tough act to follow. Tough act. But I think other goalies and for the Toronto Maple Leafs' recent history will tell you that, you know, there's a wide, wide range of personalities. It's true. But you... you they loved Freddie. You, you will be loved if you stop the little black disc. Truly, if every day Matt Murray had a shutout and he came out and just held the puppy up and punched it, people would be like, yeah. Matt rules, Murray. Yeah. They would love him. Like, just stop the puck. They don't care what like, else he does. <laughs> Felix Potvin was in a... <laughs> Maybe a, not. Felix was in a warm and fuzzy guy. Uh, love Cujo, though. Loved Cujo. Yeah, loved Cujo. And we're hoping that we get him back again this He's season. A some, oh, fantastic. Man, the Leafs yeah. had some person that, that Eddie Bell for. Eddie... Some, no warm and fuzzy there, <laughs> no, right? No. <laughs> zero. Notorious for the fuzzies. Zero on the warm and fuzzies yeah. out of Eddie Belfour, and yet he had some, some good success here. Yeah. Stop the puck. Just stop the puck. Yeah. So since then, Kipper, they uh, the overhaul from this disappointment that we're talking about was, you know, you mentioned the substantial changes focusing mostly on the crease. How do you feel I guess, did you, did, were you surprised by anything that happened or did it go as you expected this summer with their turnover? Outside of the goaltending decision that they made, I would have been shocked to see anything else substantial anywhere. And let's face it, there's really just one other place Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas can go. And that is giving up on one of your core guys to change it up. And every time we have this talk, it means William Nylander. That's all it means. It doesn't mean anyone else. I can't. It go, can't going into the season. Can't trade Varner or Matthews. Going into the season, you are 100% right. Yeah. That it just lends itself to... The one chip that you have that could have changed your look outside of the goaltenders, and that's William Nylander. And it has been clear for a very long time, and Kyle has been true to his word, that these are my guys. These are the ones we're, we're betting on. And these are the ones I may go down with, but I'm not bailing on them. And tough to argue. He had 80 points for 6.9 million or whatever. You're you're getting fine value on his contract. You know, they don't think he's going to get worse, hoping that he'll get a little better. I I read some comments from Nylander who thinks that, you know, he hasn't hit his ceiling in terms of goal output. Top 10 in shots in the league last year. Like he's, he's an asset. So I don't blame him for not moving on from him. You kind of sit here and go, what do you want me to do? Unless you trade from there. I don't know, Riley, Marner, Matthews. No, uh, not in, you're not. Don't even mention it because you're not going there. You're not doing it. So it's, you know, if you're Dubas, like, 
we made some changes at the fringes. We need more from our bottom line. We need our defense to be better, which is going to be the next question mark that I wanted to bring to you, Kipper, the defense. Yeah. Yeah. And what we think, is it good enough? Is that, was that the problem last year? How do you feel about what's happened there? Which is basically they brought in yeah. uh, Jordy Ben and Victor Mete and yeah. they're going to say this is the same guys. And once you get past that, you aren't trading Nylander. Now you're dealing with a bunch of seat fillers, right? That old Seinfeld episode where Kramer goes to the Oscars <laughs> and becomes a seat filler what a gig. for people to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And he's loaded with them. Loaded with guys. When you draw the lineup, guy, guy, loaded. guy, those, they got some guys. So we go uh, Jordy Ben, Victor Mete, uh, Dennis Malgan up front. Uh, Yarncroft comes in, who's... I guess that's the biggest forward chain. That, for sure. Uh, you had uh, Michael Bunting this time last year coming in as a seat filler. That guy had what? 50 games under his belt yeah, less. in the National Hockey League. Uh, an Arizona Coyote team that, uh, you know, wouldn't look twice at him. Comes in, 60 points. Home run yep. for Kyle Dubas. Is there another home run in his seat fillers this season? So it, let's let's just stay on the blue line okay. right now because uh, you, you, you brought it up. Um, Victor Mete, Jordy Ben, two names that were probably brought in knowing that there might be a message out there for Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. I I just find it hard to talk about these guys like they matter. No disrespect to them, like as humans or whatever, but like when we're talking about this team and trying to win the Stanley yeah. Cup, get over the first round hump no, here. No, they're not they're not they're not game changers. They're not series changers, but there is serviceable They can uh, play in the league contributions here yeah. they can and i think victor mente's a great skater i mean getting the puck out of his own zone or skating it out is something that goes right into their 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 skill structure yep and i could see them looking at mete and being like maybe he's not this big bottom pair pk guy we think we need but you guys get hurt. If it's Lilligren, if it's Sandine, if it's Hall, Mete is a guy who could serviceably step in and play minutes in one of those roles. And if you're healthy, first he doesn't call play. up, though. First call up. Yeah. Yep. So no, I have no problem with them taking uh, a shot on guys who are making very little money and are clearly NHL players. So I like having Mete, but I don't look at him and go, well, here's what this means for the team. I mean, it means nothing for the team right now. You know, the Lilligren and Sandine situation is... Well, th that whole contract scenario. How'd you feel about that? I knew all along that uh, there was not much leverage there outside of withholding your services. He had no leverage. No, you, you had... You have leverage. You do. It's called withholding your services. Yeah, I guess this is... You now, do. I, well, I'm going to walk it back and say, that, okay, well, Victor, Victor Mete can do that. That's it. The question is, how far do you go to push that? 
And I think he tried. I think the agent Lewis Gross tried. Um, and then it became abundantly clear that there was no bend in Kyle Dubas. They were absolutely not going to bend on that. 1.4 for two years, you're going to mirror Lilligren or you don't play. You heard Dubas doing interviews months prior to this, months ago, saying Lilligren and Sandine are, are you know, they're important parts of our future. And people would be like, uh, Kyle, how do you feel about the upcoming Sandine deal? And he'd be like, yep, Lilligren and Sandine. Like he did everything he could yeah. to paint them with the same brush. Yeah. I think that, you know, I've, I've said this on a couple other programs too, that uh, I don't necessarily believe even that the money was the driving force. I think there were some issues on, on opportunity mm-hmm. or lack of it for him. I don't think it sat well that uh, he thought he was healthy enough to play at the end of last season. I agree. And he did not. Yep, 100%. And I do believe for, you know, a few seconds here that, and I don't know if this led behind the scenes to a uh, trade request. I don't know. But if it did, it would be, to think that I could play more or consistently more than I did last season. Yeah. You know you know how you do that, though? You play better than people. Yes. You got to go play better than people. You didn't play better than people enough to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, we're sitting here and we're going to talk more about this contract and Sandine Lilligren. We're talking about two guys who played a combined two playoff games from last year. All the Lilligren talk all year long. Yeah. You got two hockey games. Sandine was eligible to play at the end. They didn't want to play him. So... It is now imperative that these guys take a step for this Leafs team. When you talk about how do you get better, how does your team take the next step, you need people to outperform their contracts. That's these guys. One of these two has to go earn a 4 or $5 million contract for this team to get better. For Sandine, I think you make a great point. How does he do that? Who's he going to play in front of? I think in the early going, you're going to see them get some opportunities where there's it, no chance they would play this way in playoffs, but we're trying to give Sandine a chance to outplay some people so then we can say, all right, Mark Giordano, you got to watch. Or whoever it is, right? All right, Justin yeah. Hall, we're going to flip you or yeah. whatever it is. And that's... And, and maybe it's that simple that he saw two guys go down and if I can get off to a decent start in, in the next two weeks, Smart. Uh, maybe I can hold the spot. Yeah. No, that's the, you know, I, I see that too. I thought Kyle Dubas took great pains in the release to be like, you know, they saw the injuries last night and they called me. Lewis Gross reached out to me to say that Rasmus wanted to come back. So he he accomplishes two things. He sends a message to other people in Sandine's situation in the future that he didn't bend because yeah. he had, that was becoming his reputation. And he tried to send the message that Sandine did this for his teammates. Yeah. Come back to help them out. You know, the other thing that I, I don't think should be lost here is Kyle's um, ability to kind of not make it a huge distraction. Mm-hmm. And only in Toronto you can take a slash five, six, seventh defenseman say, yeah. and and turn it into a major story. And I'm not saying that this... This watch ended up being, uh, you know, William Nylander uh, taking this thing right to, what, December 1st right. uh, years ago story. 
But we know in Toronto, you could turn a five, six, or seventh defenseman story into something huge. Oh, we were going to do Sandine watch every but, day. But <laughs> just think about if, say, Brian Burke was the general manager and Rasmus Sandin sitting out. Think Burke about told him to go. Th- think th- about those comments. Himself. Think about <laughs> publicly. Like think about yeah. what that would have done yeah. to the narrative. And Kyle never bought into it, never uh buried him, never, you know, uh diminished diminished his uh his value Mm -hmm. just kind of kept it quiet and you know waited and if that's the one chance kyle had to turn around and say hey they came to me i didn't go to them yeah that was enough but i i I give kyle credit for handling that whole scenario pretty well for sure that could have blown up bigger they got him on the right side and riley on the right side all sorts going on right now all right we're going to take another break and then uh, as promised luke fox Coming out of the Toronto Maple Leaf training camp, will update us on Sandine and how he looks. Is he behind the eight ball? How much did missing the start hurt him? That and more on Real Kipper and Bourne. So, uh, how'd your golf game wrap up? Well, was it was it the last round with me and Sammy? Yeah, yeah, you know, Kipper, I think I had 11 pars and a birdie and still shot 84. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that means six doubles. So I'm hot and cold, man. I'm a great scramble player. You get me in a scramble, very effective because my big numbers don't matter, but I make some big numbers. How about you? I'm, I'm just starting to feel really good about my game and it's going to get two, shut two down. Two birdies and even par in the front nine, Nick Kiprios, everyone. Yeah. What a player. Yeah. Don't ask. I won't talk about the second nine. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it. Oh man, tough. Well, when the the company sends us to watch the Leafs in Florida, we'll play some golf, and they're gonna send us right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bueller. I don't know. Maybe one way. <laughs> You're listening to Panthers talk. No, Kiprios and Bora. <laughs> All right, we're waiting on uh, Luke Fox. Uh, I, one of the first things I want to ask him is just the vibe. In training camp. Vibe check. I need a vibe check. Yeah. I would guess, I don't know, really hard to get renewed enthusiasm with the same, right? Nothing's overly new or am I wrong that it's fresh start? Um, No, I don't want fresh start. You Oh, you want to feel the pain from yes. last year. Like, boys, we, yes. yeah, this isn't, I love that. I want March... 14th. May. May. <laughs> M month. <laughs> Maybe March too. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll look up what happened then. Yeah, March to April, April to May. Yeah. I want May to bleed into mm-hmm. October. I like that. And I want a snarl. I want a little attitude. I want a we can't let this happen again. There should be some swagger too, like 115 points. Same team coming back. No, 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 no swagging. No, no swagging. Swag. No, you get knocked out in the first round. There's no, no swag. swag. You can't swag. What do you got? A regular season swag? Yeah, great. <laughs> what, you anti-swag? Pro swag. No, no good. All right. All right, let's bring in Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca. Luke, uh, I'm gonna just hit you right out of the gate here. Give me a vibe. In the Toronto Maple Leaf training camp. 
Oh, <laughs> this is a season premiere, isn't it? For, the, for your this show. Is, you're the first guest we had to go to Luke Fox for <laughs> That's episode right. Wow. And we're hitting your, I just, I just need to know what the vibe is. Uh, what's the feeling? Where's, where's the attitude? Where is, uh, what's the sense here? Slow and steady wins the race or what? It, it feels, you know what? It feels slow, Kipper. Oh. I, there's, um, there, I don't know. There's just so many of the same faces that it feels a little bit awkward. Um, there's not a lot of juice. I mean, there's the goalie storyline for sure. And Sheldon Keefe was just saying it's the most uh, competitive camp in terms of the forwards that he has, guys that are competing for the bottom of the roster. Um, so that's a positive, but it lacks uh, – it lacks. It feels like it lacks a big headline, especially now that Rasmus Sandin got settled. And there's a sense that really this team is going to be judged by what happens in April, not what happens in October. You know, really hard to be judged by what happens in April if you don't get there. You know, <laughs> you know, you got to have a good regular season. So how how important do you think it is that they finish first versus finishing second or third or whatever? Is it just a matter of get there and then figure it out? Well, internally, they've placed an importance on finishing first and winning the division and setting yourself up for the best position possible, which is home ice. But they've lost the elimination games on home ice a few years running now. To me, it's not that important. It's more about how healthy they are and how they're clicking come playoff time. I think that's way more important than where they finish in the division. But definitely internally that they've, they've set a goal of, of winning the Atlantic for sure. All right. If we start as we did the beginning of our show uh, from the net on out, Kyle Dubas painted a pretty uh, uh, big picture of how, where he thinks the goaltending is. And there was a real sense of, hey, you, you guys will – get alternate starts and you figure it out. Is that, is that the sense that you're getting here or is it, come on boys, we, we know who the real number one is going in. No, I have Matt Murray as the number one for sure. And I, I would imagine he'll start opening night and it sets up nicely with the season starting with a back-to-back that Ilya Samsonov will get his old team, the Washington Capitals the following night. Perfect. And the way the schedule lays out especially in the early part i think there will be some sharing of the net but for sure this is matt murray's number one job to lose right he's the one with term he's the one you know that they went out and sought um you know when they were trying to fill that that hole that that happened when they decided not to bring back jack campbell and samsonov was more the secondary option of okay we need a support guy a guy that can play a bunch of games has proven that he can can win in this league a little bit and hopefully you know he's betting on himself with a one-year deal that he get gets uh inspired by having his back against the wall a little bit um he needs to perform for his next contract so hopefully that brings out the best in him but as long as he's healthy this is matt murray's net i mean they brought him in because he has the two rings and that's been brought up a lot in camp uh my main concern with him is health you know he looks sharp i love how he is with the media he's he's just very calm he acts like he belongs uh he's not beating himself up the way Jack Campbell did. This is a confident guy. I'm just mostly concerned about his health, especially with concussion history. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Kim. I was just going to say, you know, during our show, Justin threw up uh, 
you know, a thought that maybe uh, Samsonov was maybe promised something a little bit more. Uh, there is a sense that he thinks that the number one job is up for grabs here. Well, I, I think he could take it if Murray's not healthy or if he falters. I mean, the, the team needs to win games. I think there will be opportunity, and it's been a long time since Matt Murray has carried uh, the lion's share of, of, of the workload, right? Like in Ottawa, he, he didn't play very much. So there, I think there is going to be opportunities for starts, but I think all things being equal, it's Murray has, you know, a grasp of this number one job, and it's, you know, it, unless he messes up or gets injured, it's his job to lose, I think. Yeah. You know, the you mentioned not a whole lot of new faces. One of them is very Toronto storyline, the the Nick Robertson. We had the whole first hour and we didn't mention Nick Robertson, which I'm pretty impressed with us. Um, you know, not a new face by any means, but every year it's been like, okay, what about now? I remember talking about him in the Columbus series and it was like, not yet, not yet, not yet. Is it yet? Are we there with Nick Robertson in this team? It it feels like it. Yeah. Like it, it feels like this is the year where he has to make his stamp. And I don't know if he's going to make the cut right out for opening night just because he doesn't require waivers to go down, and that could work against them if the Leafs are, are afraid of, of right. losing one of their depth forwards to the waiver wire. So that might work against them. But they're giving him every opportunity to, to succeed right now. I mean, he has three goals. Tonight, he's going to be playing on this uh, legit second line with Alexander Kerfoot and William Nylander. So they're giving him a really prime opportunity tonight. And uh, so much of this for him, because I, I had a good chat with him, has is, is been about confidence. He said it, it's all mental right now. Um, you know, so the fact that he has a few goals has him feeling good about his game because, you know, they could try him on the fourth line. They could do all sorts of things. But this is a score. If Nick Robertson's going to succeed in the NHL, it's going to be in a top six role where he's got the puck and he's playing with other playmakers. Okay, hold, hold on, and he hold on. shoots it in the net. Awesome, oh, Matthews oh, oh, oh. was really good on Robertson Hold on. Um, <laughs> Hold on. What? <laughs> As I rudely interrupted you. <laughs> Where is he going to get top six minutes on this team? Someone answer me that. Well, it's going to be him or, like, Dennis Malgin to start. Like, Ron Tavares isn't Wait. available. That, there's a, there's an opportunity on the second line. Okay, for a week? Yeah. 10 days and then JT comes back and what are you going to do with Nick Robertson? You, He's well, not getting get... top 6, Luke. I think there is a chance he does at some point this year. He he has to make it undeniable when he gets those looks. Yeah, I thought he was dynamic in the last game. Kipper, you don't see a way that that he's a a guy who can play real minutes in that role? Just tell me who's out. Kerfoot? Yeah, Kerfoot can go down. That's probably. I think, I think in a perfect world, Kerfoot's a third liner. What's tough, I guess, Kipper, is you're looking at Tavares, Nylander. Where's Yarncroc? They've got him penciled in for thirty this year. He's wherever the hell they tell uh, right? him to go. <laughs> He's here for four years. <laughs> like, there's just so much to go around here. I just, I just don't see him locking up top six minutes anytime soon on this hockey club, which puts us into that same question. How successful can he be? Like, it's great. I thought he looked really good, you know, uh, in Ottawa, but come on. Like there was nobody in the lineup. He's not going to get quality minutes to do what, and then you're now squeezing 
a restriction of what, eight, 10, 11 minutes into show me what you got. It's, it's a hard dilemma for this guy, but I just don't see this lineup right now and needing to count on, you know, Bunting, Matthews, Marner, JT, Willie. Can he get power play? Can he get quality looks? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, Putting him in a, a position to succeed, I just don't know how realistic you're going to put Nick Robertson in. I think they want someone to jump up and take that second-line left-wing spot. Mm-hmm. I, I think Kerfoot is the is the fail-safe, the fallback, but I think yeah. in, a, in a perfect world, the Leafs want someone to jump up like Michael okay. Hunting did last year sure. and seize a front-line yeah. role. I think they want someone to see, uh, seize that 2LW spot. Okay, and I so... think Robertson has a chance. So, so uh, if he does, then you're looking into a great year, uh, and you're going into the playoffs with Bunting and Nick Robertson, your top two left wingers. Do they combine for 250 pounds? <laughs> does that matter, Kip? Yeah, it does matter. Oh, okay, good, good answer. I just. What about Matt Nyes? Ooh. Okay, so now we're down now to we're in the second now we're the gonna we're, we're we're winning Stanley Cups with Bunting, Robertson, and a college guy out of March sure. to lead us. Sure, why not? It's just a big ask, boys. I, okay. And I'm not I'm not here to suggest that Nyes cannot come in and and be potentially a, an impact player, but just go down the the course of history and see how many guys can come in and do that. So who do you want them to use in that spot? I just think they they they've got to start looking. They need they need some weight and outside help. This time last year, I'm telling you, uh, all the talk was uh, Richie, and Richie had all the physical attributes to be that guy, except couldn't get the job done. Mm-hmm. And uh, grit, all of that, be, finding ways to beat a Tampa Bay Lightning. You do that with some size and some pushback. And skill-wise, Nick Robertson's there. Go fight for a puck in a first round in a top six. Big, I guess, big I, ask still. I guess that's part of my, my thing with Robertson is that he has to be the lurker, the finisher, not the go-getter type guy that Zach Hyman was for this team. Obviously, the polar opposite. So, interesting situation. So, how hurt is Tavares? What are we talking about, Luke, with Tavares' situation? When can we anticipate seeing him? Like, I, I see everyone talking about Lilligren and LTIR so they don't have to trade someone before, you know, to get cap compliant. Can't they LTIR Tavares? Well, I don't think he's going to be out that long. Okay. Right now, they're estimating about a week of the regular season, probably four games. Maybe if he has a setback or something, it stretches beyond that. But that's what they're targeting right now. He actually skated for the first time uh, since they announced the injury today, um, just on a separate pad with, with Lilligren, um, you know, working his way back. But, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be out so long that you can LTI him. Mm. Is that one of those injuries where, uh, God, it could linger all year if you don't nip it? Uh, is this the feeling that the, the Leafs may be needing to add a week or two just to make sure it doesn't creep up and, and bite them later on in the season? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they used the phrase minimum uh, three weeks when they announced it. And, you know, it, the the whole thing is is 
they're exercising caution. They're doing it with Jake Muzzin right now. They're doing it with Pierre Engvall. They're, they understand the situation. You know, the games, yes, they're going to be worth two points, but they don't really matter as much right now as, as preserving uh, peak health for, for later on. Luke, tell me about something that perplexes me. Tell me about Dennis Mulgan. Like, I just, yeah, everyone I talk to is like, yeah, this guy, you know, he scored a couple of times. He's he's going to make the team. They want to justify the Marchman thing, whatever. Like, I understand he's put the puck in the net a few times, but I just don't see it. I don't see how, it's like Robertson, but with less upside to me. What are your thoughts on where he, how the team sees him? Yeah, they just, I think they just see him as another guy, you know, adding some competition to the camp. Keith's been high on him uh, in terms of how he's looked away from the puck as opposed to his first tour with the Leafs. He's more determined to get the puck back and is a bit more responsible than he used to be. He always had the, the speed and the shiftiness. But, you know, he falls in the category Kipper's talking about with a, another smallish winger who is best used for offense. He put up a pile of points in the Swiss League. Uh, but, you know, you, you do wonder... Uh, if he's the right type of role player. Like, I'm more excited about how a guy like Zach Aston reese can contribute to this team because he does something uh, mostly forwards don't do, and that's hit guys. And he just brings a different element, a different texture to the lineup. So I'm more excited about a guy like him. Will he get a chance with these injuries? Possibly. But he might be the, one of those tweener guys, Melgan, that goes between the Marlies and the Leafs. And Austin Reese is a guy that they'll probably announce uh signing on day one yeah i think he's going to take less than a million bucks uh for one year um you know he he didn't look at this as a chance to showcase himself to the whole league he's like you know i I think of myself as a loyal guy the leafs have said that had they had the cap space they would have already signed him so i think it's just a matter of making the math work yeah that makes sense all right just on the blue line rasmus sandine uh what's Speaking of vibes off the top of the uh, the hit with you, what, what, what's the vibe on him coming back? Uh, head scratcher on how this thing played out um, from you and, and some of the others uh, who cover the team on a daily basis? Yeah, for the amount they settled, right, 1.4 times 2, that was, you know, believed to be on the table way back when Timothy Lilligren signed. So, you know, Rasmus Sandin loves playing hockey. Like, he loves this sport. He's not one of the guys who just does it and has other interests he lives and breathes it so he said there wasn't a day that wasn't stressful this summer with this hanging over his head ultimately you know he was going to come back and and play games he said that you know when he saw Kelly Yarncroke and Alexander Kerfoot playing defense it was kind of like enough's enough you know there's obviously going to be ice time available for him uh, you know with Lilligren out but also Jake Muzzin you know they're being pretty cautious with him and he only played 47 games last year uh so a sore back already like there's going to be opportunity here for Sandine. now he's got two years to kind of prove himself and and earn a, a top four spot i think that's where they'd like to see him go um by year two and uh and we'll see i mean he's he's very excited but what's interesting to me is that Kyle Dubas said that he sees him as a left side defenseman and right now he's he's taking reps on the right side with Muzzin. Yeah, that's kind of the strange thing about their decor right now is like when I go through it, I'm like, yeah, pretty good players. Riley, Brody, Giordano, Muzzin, Lilligren, Hall, Sandine, like good players. But the puzzle piece is so tough to put together because no one plays the right side like Brody does, but he's a natural left shot. 
So uh, do you think we're going to see more of Morgan Riley on the right side or Sandine trying to stick on the right? What's the plan? The plan is giving themselves options. So yeah. Sandine's taking reps there now. Morgan Riley was taking reps on the right last week, and he was the one who had that idea. He approached the coaching staff and, you know, obviously noticing the deficiency there, especially with Lilligren out and said, I'd like to, I'd like to try this. I mean, good on him. Right, but he's at his most effective when he's on his natural side, and he's your best defenseman. So, it they're just basically plugging holes at this point, and I think it'll be a, a wait and see. You know, I, I think this will probably extend into the regular season. Who is thriving on the right? Who's who's making do? And uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see the D pairs mix around a little bit through the first couple weeks. So what are we going to see between now and game one opening, uh, Luke, in, in your eyes? What, uh, what, what's the burning uh, decision here? Is it uh, the seed fillers that we spoke of? Um, is it uh, one goalie looking much better than the other? Is it uh, can Marner prove himself as a full-time defenseman? <laughs> Which one is it? Yeah, I, I, that'll be interesting. You know, I, I'm curious to see if the Leafs try Marner out uh, tonight in that, in that role. Uh, now that they've been working on it in practice. Um, I mean, now's the time to, to try things. For me, the goalies are set. I don't know how much you can read into how Matt Murray and, and Samsonov do against, you know, a mix of NHL and AHL shooters these last couple games. Um, I think that'll be more of a storyline for when the, the games actually matter. And the defense is, is set because they only have six healthy guys available right now. So the, the most intriguing thing, I, I think, is how they stick handle around the cap, who gets put on the waiver wire. Um, it's, it, we're talking about the fringes of the, of the forwards. Like, what happens with Wayne Simmons? Is he in the opening night roster? Or is he, you know, do they end up putting him on waivers? What happens with Robertson? So I think that's the, the most intriguing thing for the, the final week camp. Burning questions that we're going to come to you throughout the season on Luke Fox. Thanks for doing this, man. Good to hear you guys back on the radio. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca. I love he held his feet to the fire on day one. Wow. What are you going to do with Nick Robertson? We didn't talk about him. I saw he was, I know it was Belleville, but he looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think like any star junior player, you come out, do you have success? You don't have success. How much more time do I need? He's had a couple of resets. He's had a couple of uh, injuries yeah, that make him kind of the worrisome part. Refocus. I think he's progressed nicely from what I've seen in a very short period of time. I just think again, the ask on a guy like that, you got to really put him in a position to to do well. And um, can you see second line success out of Nick Robertson? John Tavares, and William Nylander. Can you see uh, a skilled line that matches up against a top team second line? Yeah. Is, who's who's creating been, holes? Who's, we say who's, top six. Who's the top? Who's, who's the for, first man in that's going to play the man for the second man to come in and play the puck? I mean... Who's creating room out there for you? Who's a physical force that sometimes you can't go around people. You have to go through people. Yeah, it can't. The line is not Robertson, Devars, Nylander. That's not going to be the line. It's not the line. 
You know, because because of exactly what you're talking about. You need someone to go get it. You need someone to be in the blue paint. You need some, you know, you do. Palad. Sure. Kalorn. Yes, you need some of that going on, right? So, but to me, we say top six for him. If he plays third line left wing, my question is this on Robertson. How many goals does he have to score for you to say, I don't care that he's small. I don't care that he's not this grindery type role. There's a point. Scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in hockey. If he scores 25 times and doesn't give you anything else, it's pretty good. Could you have him on the third line if he just shoots in the net 25 times? 30? How many do you need? You know, before you say, I don't care that he doesn't give me X, Y, Z. He shoots it in the net and we need net shooters. Yeah. But what is your, what is your priority out of that third line? Yep. Great question. And what do you want it to be? What do you want in the it past, to be? they've wanted it to defend, but they lose 2-1 in game seven. Maybe they should have a line that shoots it in the hockey net. So they lost McKayev. Yes. And they lost 21 goals. Is that McKayev had? Yeah. 21. Yeah. And he only played like, what, 50-some games or something? Is that does, right? does, does Nick Robertson slide in and, and provide the 21 that left sure with McKayev. right but not at six foot three and killing penalties and you know all the that's other stuff right. that McKayev did that's you're, right you're definitely a step back unless unless he shoots it in the net 30 times and not 21 times you know there's a point for yeah. me where i say and McKayev had a physical presence yeah he did for sure he did like and he it got was stronger as, as the year went by to the point where vancouver is like yeah i'm gonna pay four million bucks for this yeah uh, there is a point for me, and I'm asking uh, asking the question in this way, where Robertson scores enough that I don't care. I don't care that he is not a perfect fit. Scoring so hard to do. We'll find other people to do the block shots and get in the way, and Zach Aston Reese can go do that. There's a point for me where yeah. he can score enough, and I think he looks ready to do it. But th- there are some guys that you just leave alone and if you can find a way to score your goals then that's all that matters yeah i just don't think nick's game is strong enough where you can be that guy saying you get to cheat you get to blow the zone this is on robertson you get to can you be responsible right? when you're not scoring right like you got to play in your own zone you you got to be thinking about getting a puck out of your own zone first before you can think about shooting it in the net. You got to think about your hockey team. And I can tell you that this has been a criticism or concern of his game is, you know, what's the most important thing? Is it our hockey team winning? Or are you getting your goals? He likes to score his goals in the past. So we'll see if he's matured and can learn that side. That's of right. It. And can he be patient and yeah. wait for those opportunities? And then when they come, can you capitalize? Yeah. Like in preseason, it's been a dream, right? He's, Firing and it in. He's, he's all over the puck. He's, he's made some, some some good progress. If he played in the American League this year, he'd score 50 times. Well, maybe that's maybe he still needs another year at that. Boy, that would be frustrating for him and everyone. Leafs fans would beat. How old is he? 22. Oh, my God. He's a puppy. <laughs> he is. Yeah, but they need him to be a dog. They need him now. Yeah, well, timing hasn't always been great for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we got to take one more break. We are going to take one more break, and then we're back, and maybe we'll just uh, wrap up by maybe looking at uh, others in the Atlantic and uh, where that plays out for the Toronto Maple Leafs, i.e. 
Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo. The vision's not getting worse. It's not getting worse. All right. More after the break. Real Kipper and Bourne. That's going to be a very wide margin victory for this fella. Kiprios them and Ryan Moore are well clear. He's just idling and running towards the grandstand side here. Uh, he's giving away lots of ground. He's got so much of a lead. It's not going to make the slightest bit of difference. I think a bit of a scare late on, but Kiprios has come to say hello to the crowd. <laughs> See how famous Kiprios is getting? A, a tennis players, now a horse. You mean Kyr named Kyrgios? Kyrgios? Oh, I thought it was Kyprios. <laughs> Curious. People Curious. do mix us up oh, yeah? on social media. Yeah. You get uh, people yelling at you about your tennis game? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're like, what? And now there's this horse. Who's very good, apparently. Very good. On his last race, he was like like going near the crowd, too. That's, I mean, hey, listen. The, the, it's I, just like you. I think he was spirit. watching uh, Milbury beat up uh, a New York Ranger fan in 1979. I tell you, video. worse to beat someone with a horseshoe. Uh, with a know, cheap penny loafer. <laughs> yeah. Not like Kiprios <laughs> the horse. That's great. And down the stretch they come. Kiprios takes over. That's great. We're going to use that. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> they should have played yeah. that after you did, rolled did. over Luke Fox. Just say, Kiprios I didn't roll over. over Luke Fox. <laughs> I didn't. You held his feet to the fire on, on something we need to I talk just about. needed him to look at something different besides Nick scoring 40 this year for the Leafs. Yeah. And how. That's mm -hmm. all. Right. There, wow. is, there is the great question of, like, where could this guy play I in the lineup? Okay, but where does it help you? How does it make the Leafs better? And, Not just where could he Nick play. needs power play. He does. I'll be honest. I don't like him on the power play because every time he gets it, he shoots it. He just catches it in the half wall and shoots it. You name me a guy that's just known for being a goal scorer. And does nothing Not else? play the power play. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not a thing. It's not a thing. Those don't exist. I would be interested. Uh, you know, all you analytical people out there, someone message me with the player who the, the most goals, the least PP time, some sort of ratio. And you know the big boys are going to just Probably swallow up the 155. We'll give you five seconds for a change yeah. on the power play. <laughs> but the, boy, the the big boys will take the whole two minutes up. That was the worst being PP2. You got one leg over the boards and just watch a guy skate back and forth. And be like, oh, I'm going to get a... Hey, come back. I'm going to... Oh, the power play's over. So we do know that there's a fine line between what you do during the regular season and how much does it matter and where are we again for the Toronto Maple Leafs going into the playoffs. But saying that, JB, we look at the Atlantic Division and uh, we do believe it's the best in the league, you think? I do. Yes. I mean, last year, you look at the top four teams. Boston gets in as a wild card team with 105 points. They're fourth in their division with 105 points. You know, you can at Tampa, Florida, Toronto, all 107, 115, 120 something for F Florida. And then this year, huge turnover at the bottom of the division. Detroit gets seven new players, including David Perron and Billy Huso and Andrew Kopp. Good players. And Ottawa gets to Brinkett, they get Giroux, they get Cam Talbot in it, they get better. You know, Montreal even tries to beat, you know, they had a Doc and Monaghan, whatever you think of those guys, but teams are better. It's a better division than it was last year, Kipper. 
I look at uh, the Buffalo Sabres last year and the fits they gave the Toronto Maple Leafs from outdoor games to... Three or four times, right? And they are going to be better. They're big and pretty talented. You know, we'll see. They're looking for internal improvement for their guys to take a natural step, and that's a slower process, so I'm less sold that they're going to become a 90-point team. Uh, Maybe, like, that's their absolute ceiling. Do you believe that... uh... Come March, Ottawa's in the thick of things for a playoff spot. Are, are they that I think, good? I, I watched them the other night. Yeah. And I'm just not there. Here's the thing that kills me is people are like, Ottawa are going to be way better. Okay. Well, better than what? They had 73 points. They missed playoffs by 27 points. So if they're better by 20 points, they're still seven points out of playoffs. Like they have to take... They're so far back that even if they are way, way better, I just can't see a world where they're a playoff team. Also, the division's the same. Like, yeah. they're still Florida. They're still Tampa. I, they're still Toronto. Boston may be worse. I don't get Claude Giroux in Ottawa. For who? For Ottawa or for Claude? For the, for the Ottawa Senators. And what did they end up paying for him? Three years, six point something million, I think. I can find that out. Yeah, please do. Forthwith. I think it's six, isn't it? Maybe it's six. Ottawa. Six. Not on the bottom of the payroll anymore. No, no. Which is, uh, yeah, three times six and a half, Kipper. Six and a half million. Yeah. For three years. The assistant captain, Claude is he, is he six and a half million dollar player today? He might be a $6.49 million player this year, but then there's two years after that where he may be a four or a three. Let me ask you a Claude Giroux question in another way. Okay. Okay. Would you rather have Claude Giroux on the Ottawa Senators or would you rather have Nick Paul and Connor Brown on your team? I'd rather have Nick Paul and Connor Brown on my team, not a doubt. All day long. All day long. God, those are two gritty performers. Didn't Connor Brown and Nick Paul hook up on a Canada World Championship game-winning OT goal? Those guys, those are gamers. Nick Paul scores two in game seven to put the Leafs away. Gamers, those two. So that that tells me everything right there. Mm-hmm. That I'm not sure that, that you're going to end up getting your six and a half worth out of Claude Giroux, you know what I mean? There's almost, to me, Kipper, What's though, Nick there, Paul, there's what almost What did Nick Paul sign for in Tampa Bay? Two? Seven years, three million. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's three. And let me, I'll find real quick here. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and and then Connor yeah, Brown. his deal's for 3.1. Seven 3. years. 3.1. And we know that Connor Brown moved on to. Washington. Washington. And he's got a price tag of, of what? He's making 3.6 this year. Almost. Oh, is that exactly his number? Six point seven for the two of them. Okay. Six and a half. Six five. Yeah. And essentially six five. Yeah. Like I, to me, to me, um, I get it. Claude Giroux's got a great reputation for being the face and the the voice of the Philadelphia Flyers all those all those years. But that's a big ask right now for him to come in and produce and and still be a guy that uh, that can command six and a half million bucks. Well, two things on this. One is that I think there is value in signaling to your franchise that you're trying to win. You're trying to get good hockey players. You're trying to 
you know, be competitive. You're not just losing on purpose and not willing to pay people. So I think there's value in, in Claude Giroux from that angle. There's value in the local kid comes home and wants to play for the Senators. Who would have thought it? The Senators, a team people want to play for. I love that. The other aspect is Nick Paul's not signing that deal to play for the Ottawa Senators. You know, he's not. He's signing in Tampa Bay, no tax, Stanley Cups. Yeah. You know, like. But, but you had the opportunity to buck up, I think, three or four hundred more thousand. Yes. And you I agree. chose not to. And they should have. They absolutely And you could have had him. Yeah. For, for uh, the three million. Yep. So, yeah, I, I get your point here. And I actually think it's maybe an underrated point that they're trying to win and they have gotten better. You know, is it the right way to make them the best they could be? Maybe not. But listen, the Sens are going to be fun, man. Kachuk, Norris, Giroux, Debrinkit, Batherson, Joseph. Like, they got players. I like the mod edition a lot. Stutzla. My Lord. Formanton. Ah, so, that position. <laughs> in, in the Atlantic, who, uh, who steps up? Buffalo, Ottawa, or Detroit? I think Detroit's going to be the best of the group. Really? Well, listen, they had Cider win the Calder. They had Lucas Raymond up there for the Calder. They added gamers. They got a goaltender. I don't know. They're just the most different, I guess, which is good. I just like them trying to win. I, it was really pathetic watching teams try to tank. I guess Montreal's maybe got another year of that, trying to get Connor Bedard, but... And what did you think of Buffalo signing Tage uh, Thompson? Didn't he end up with 50? $50 million? A little aggressive. A little aggressive. <laughs> he had a pretty high per... shooting percentage this past year. 30 goal scored? Did he get to 30 last year? He yeah, he got to 38, actually. Yeah, 38. Yeah. What, uh, what, one year. Yes. Right? His first full, decent year. But doesn't isn't that what the salary cap's all about now? Where you got to hedge mm-hmm. your bet? Yeah, you hope to get a guy before he earns big money, and to give him seven point one four two, it's it's a big commitment. But listen, this Buffalo Sabres team currently at the bottom of the cap friendly uh, list. They are paying the least in salary. They're going to lose um, Carlo Pozo's deal after this season. There's a couple of they're going to have money to spend if they wanted to get aggressive. Buffalo. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. He's been Buffalo. going home. So, you know, that would... yeah, he's not going there. I don't think he's going there. <laughs> you don't think so? No. Thanks, Kip. No. <laughs> Strike that off your list. I guess he's going to want to go somewhere to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I would think so, maybe. I think Buffalo is going to be annoying to play this year. It's like you're going to have to bring it. They're going to be competitive. They got some guys who can beat you. More of the same for Leafs fans when it's like, we should beat that team, but for some reason they're just frustrating. They they did show a vibe against the Toronto Maple Leafs last year. Yeah. Well, they get up to play the right. Leafs. Tuck came in and gave them, like, and there's a guy that's just happy, really happy. Is he from there, too? He, was he very, is. Yeah, very excited to be there. He is. Darlene. Oh, I like. The Darlene-Owen Powers duo is going to be... One of the best pairs in the league. Love what they're doing on the back end with those two. And we did not mention, and we're almost at the conclusion of this show, the devastating loss to Sammy McKee's Toronto Maple Leafs. Labushkin. The Bush. I love I love Labushkin. I'm heartbroken <laughs> he's not coming back. He's so fun to watch. It's not like you replaced him either. No. And they dressed him every game in the playoffs. They liked him a lot too. Heck, he was Morgan Riley's D partner. 
Let's not forget about that. Morgan Riley's D partner. It cost you. It cost you what a second rounder? Like that's that's a tough one too. Watching him walk out the door, but I don't think that they thought that uh, he would jump into a, a new tax bracket at what two and a half million bucks. Two point seven five. Wow. I think that's what he's worth. I don't know. Maybe I'm taking crazy pills. I really like Labushkin. They got uh, but the back end on that um, that team there with Power, Dalene, Labushkin, Yoki Harju's all right. You know they they're they're all right. That Buffalo team. Do the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Atlantic? Yes, I think they do. Here's why: I think Tampa Bay's worse. Tampa Bay, I got my fingers out to count. Tampa Bay's got no Ryan McDonough, no Andre Palat. You know they've got that. Those are substantial losses. I think Florida got way worse. They lost they lost Sherratt and Giroux and Mason Marchment. They lost like seven pretty decent players. Boston's without McAvoy till Christmas, without Marchand till Christmas, without Matt Grizzlick. Toronto has cohesion. They should just hit the season running. And it would be consistent with great regular season. It would be. We know they can perform in these in those games. Were you surprised to see Boston go back to Krejci, uh, Bergeron? More surprised to see them go away from Cassidy. Didn't you think that was surprising? Uh, I, you, you've, you heard rumblings that the players were... Krejci must have hated him, huh? Just miserable. Miserable with Cassidy. And the tendency over the years is certain guys, if they do wear on players, there's a shelf life of four or five years. And some do get away with longer. Mm -hmm. And Cooper has been amazing in terms of finding ways to keep a certain core group of guys challenged, stimulated, um, you know, all of that. They were hanging on by a and, thread and, in the playoffs and, and, and still all working. of these coaches, there's somebody complaining about them, right? Yes. All you have to do is just look at their ice time and decide which ones are complaining. I bet you this guy <laughs> hates them. I bet you that guy hates them. Yeah, exactly. Like, Never look, hate a coach that's playing you 18 to 20 minutes a night. Nope, can't. This guy knows what he's doing. But look at Boston's roster going into this year. You're going to have Hall and Krejci with probably Pasternak. Zaka, Bergeron, and DeBrusque is... Zaka good? Is DeBrus going to be a real player and stay in Boston? Did he hate Cassidy? Is that part of, you know, maybe he's happier and wants to stay now that he has a different coach? Frederick Coyle, Craig Smith, Nick Felino, got some old guys. And they, uh, they went to uh, Jim Montgomery, did yeah, they not? they did. Boy, when you look at the way Jim exited uh, Dallas and the issues that he had yeah. away from the rink and the acquisition, uh, People accusing him of all of that. I mean, it's it's a pretty quick turnaround. Sounds like he got his life turned around. Yeah, pretty well-liked guy by all accounts. I don't know. It's, I don't know. You know, good, good for him. Hopefully they can find it there. I do like their D. You like Hampus Lindholm a lot. I do, yeah. Carlo I like. Yeah. McAvoy out till Christmas. Yeah, that's... That's my worry with Boston is like, can they stay afloat long enough? Because I remember thinking of the Islanders last year. It's like, if they get through this 14-game road trip and then they get through COVID, they're fine. And they did not. So can Boston keep their head above water for long enough that when they get fully healthy, 
And where's their goaltending at with uh, Swayman? Swayman and Allmark. Allmark's uh, it's a little bit of a, a fingers ticket. crossed, right? Five million dollars for Allmark. He's got the Campbell deal. It's a little bit of a fingers crossed, like a lot of teams. Like I think with you know, like their goalies, and they need one of them to take a step and be the guy. No guarantees though, by any means. Montreal. Yep. Just. They are they losing on purpose because they just, they got uh, they got just will Montreal fans be able to take all year the fact that they're not supposed to go anywhere and boy Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard and Bedard Uri Slavkovsky together and then wait two or three years to compete I know can that's, you that's, wait that long That's the funny thing that people forget about is when you get those guys, when you get Austin Matthews, you're not suddenly good. You know, you have to have a hockey team around them and do they have enough of, of the other stuff? Is, is there any chance that that team surprises you though? Like if you go through the team and it's Caulfield, Suzuki, Hoffman, Dvorak, Gallagher, Kirby, Doc, Josh Anderson, Dadnov, Drew Ann, like good hockey players, right? Any chance Montreal doesn't suck? Oh gosh. <laughs> I can't see them not sucking. Matheson, Savard, Edmondson. Yeah. Uh, boy, the D's. Jake Allen signed for for two more years, but yeah. that that contract's totally set up for him to be traded in March. Oh, you think so? Say you get one more year of this guy. Oh, is he hundred percent? I'm just having leafy thoughts. Yeah, does he make sense for the Leafs yes. at the deadline? At yeah, if the Leafs are looking for a goalie. Jake Allen would probably be at the top of their list. Oh, my God. Montreal is at the very top of the cap-friendly page. Way to go, Habs. Um, yeah, he makes 3.85 yeah. next year and the year after. 2.85 yeah. this year. That's an easy pickup. Yeah, it is. Let's send Matt Murray to the Swiss League or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that that's an interesting option for them um, and and a nice trade asset for for Montreal to have. Quick, nope. quick before we go, I have questions yeah. for you, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Least questions. What did you think of Wayne Simmons? Uh, and his role right now. Uh, I, I just want to ask about that because I... Listen, w- there's nothing that Wayne can do in this training camp. The change is the decision, The decision has already been made. He's not winning or losing anything. Yeah. It's just where is Kyle Dubas and Brendan in terms of now saying next up? See, I, I have to... I believe he has to show that he can skate. No. No. No? He is who he is. And do you want him or you don't want him? Yeah. When you're talking about the fourth line, I, you need a better I, one. The, the decision, He's going to be the, the same decision's guy. already been made. Yeah. And whether or not they want to switch it over now or they want to do it in five or ten games, who knows? Can I but, tell you what I heard about that fourth there's, line? There's too many guys there's too many guys fighting right now that they still want to make their decisions look good, like Mulligan, uh, like mm-hmm. Reese, Austin Reese, yeah, um, like uh, Obey Kubel. Is yeah. it Obey Kubel? Yeah. Obey Kubel. Yeah. Like yeah. these guys are coming on. They're the next ones. Go. Th- th- that's the that's the thinking. And I'm not here to tell you that he's. He's being waived or he's going to start in the minors. He may start up, mm-hmm. but this is all uh, 
where are they on the transition and when they want to pull the trigger on the transition. Don't you think there's some emotional tie, though? Like some, you know, Wayne Simmons is beloved around the league in Toronto. He's a Toronto boy. Scarborough Mm, represent. We're down to winning and losing. You think they just tell him that? We are down to what what is going to get us past the first round and who do we have to prep to believe that they will be there to help us in the first round. The work starts, the fourth line work starts now. Mm -hmm. And you've got five and a half, six months to shape a fourth line up. You do not want a revolving door in, out. Spezza, is he on the fourth line? Is he not? I know. Uh, Is it a skilled uh, fourth line or is it a muscle fourth line? Are we switching from November to January to February? No. Lock it in now. Get the guys playing a certain way. And just let them run with it. Colin Blackwell. It was a very, that really has been an identity search for the fourth line. What are you? And so I wanted to mention the name on the first show this year because I think that they like Curtis Douglas. You know, we joked last year, we called him Punchy Douglas on the show. Six foot nine. Punched some faces inside out last year. It's Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas. How did we not call him that? I'm so embarrassed we haven't called him Buster before. He is Buster Douglas and I love him. Hey, listen, oh, he, he kills penalties. He's a centerman. He's strong. He wins draws. He's positionally he's sound. He's coming. I, I think he'll see some minutes in, on the Leafs this year and potentially be a guy that they like. He's coming. And he'll be one of those guys where you don't, not too much too soon, let him go back, let him play yeah. quality minutes. But he he could be a, a Nick Paul, but he cracks skulls. Yeah, just a, just... A guy like that, a guy like that who can play a role and do something different. Because again, six, Mulligan, six and seven or six, six nine. nine. He's the biggest guy in the league if he plays a minute. I would, you know, now that Chara's gone, I'm telling you, he could give the Leafs a different look. Well, he just is someone different. That's all it is. He's someone different. Like it's tough yeah. for Robertson Maybe, when they have a bunch of yeah. Robertson esque guys. And I, I think he'll his uh, his skating will continue to improve, but he's made tremendous strides in yeah. such a short period of time, and I. I I'd love him to start in October, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. No. But a couple injuries. He's coming. Yeah. All right. He's a great story. He is. Okay. That was fun. Oh, loved it. Two hours already. I know. And I'm wondering what we were going to talk about today. <laughs> all right. Our thanks to Luke Fox from sportsnet.ca. Justin and I around all week. We're so glad to be back on the air talking hockey, talking Leafs. And we're back tomorrow. Kiprios, out of the gates. Out of the gates. Down the stretch. (laughs) No, we're just out of the gates. (laughs) No, down the stretch till April, May, and June. And hopefully we're around for that. Okay. Enjoy your night. We're back tomorrow.